Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It is awesome to see you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Week two for the purpose of Christmas. Now, last week, we talked about the purpose of Christmas is to remember. It causes us to pause and remember. As a matter of fact, the second most repeated command in all of the Bible is to remember. God's constantly trying to get his people to remember. Remember my promises. Remember what I've done for you. Remember how I rescued you. Remember the Exodus. God is over and over and over throughout Old and New Testament reminding us of what he's done and who he is because when we remember, I guess the better, a better way to put it is we tend to forget. I tend to forget. We all tend to forget what God's done and what he's promised. But when we remember, We tend to forget, but in remembering, our faith is strengthened. It strengthens our faith. When we forget and we don't pause and remember, this is why it is good. Traditions are good because they cause, if we do them correctly, they cause us to pause and really reflect on what is true, what's right, what's gone before us, what is the context in which our lives fall. There's a story that's been happening a lot longer than we've been here, and it's important to be connected to it and understand it. And what is God's story? Because we're a part of that. It's really powerful. So that's what we reflected on last week. Now, this week, I want us to think about and reflect on the nativity. Many of us have nativities set up in our homes, maybe even in your yard. We see them even publicly displayed in different places. But whether it's you or your kids or your, your, your parents or whoever, when we look at a nativity, there's a natural place that the eye always falls. What do we tend to look at when we look at the nativity? You can just say it out loud. It's the what? Baby Jesus, that's right. The way the nativity is arranged, he's right at the center, which is symbolic of what Christmas is all about. He should be at the center. There is no Christmas without Christ, right? I'm not the first one to say that. But it's also, he is the point of Christmas. He is, he is the epicenter of where it all began, what we're, what we're celebrating, what we're remembering. He's the purpose. So as we look into the nativity, as we look into the manger even, There is more than meets the eye that is going on there. Let's take a look at the verse that helps us to put, that kind of helps us to put this into context. It's in Luke chapter two, verse seven, and this is describing Mary here. It says, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a what? In In a manger, and sometimes we forget that's a feeding trough, folks. That's pretty gross. Like, you probably would not put your baby in a manger, but if that's all you've got, that was his first bassinet. (laughs) That's kind of crazy, but that tells us a lot about what God is up to, what he's doing. Now, um, I want to today take a look at four powerful prophetic names, their titles really, that were given to Jesus 700 years before his birth. And they were given by God through the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And he is speaking them to the people as if 
it is happening now, but they understood that this was language to describe a future event that is so certain to happen, they could, best, they could base their life and their eternity on this. So over in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, um, here's what he says. He says, this is God speaking through Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, or to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, each one of these is not only a description of Jesus, it is a title for who he is. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. And each one of these titles corresponds with a deep soul-level need that all of us have. Now, and this is why I bring this up, because some of us, as we come to Christmas, we come to a service like this, you might be saying, well, I get it, Christmas is really neat, and I, the story's really cool, but honestly, right now in my life, I'm dealing with some deep inner problems. I'm trying to make a tough decision right now. In my personal life, at work, I'm trying to make a tough decision for a relationship, and it's just gut-wrenching right now. Or maybe um, you just feel weak. You feel like giving up. Life has just been hard recently, and you don't know how much longer you can take it, how much longer you're going to be able to do this. Um, maybe it is that you feel alone, you feel a little hopeless, and you're just looking for some love. Or maybe there's been so much turmoil in happening in your life recently and, and, and you can't seem to get away from it. You turn on the news, there's more turmoil. It's just stuff happening in your, your personal life. And it's just like, I could just use some peace. Like, I just need, if God could just meet some of these biggest, ache, like soul-level, heart-level aching needs of my life, that would be awesome, Will. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That these four titles speak directly to some of the heaviest, darkest, most hurtful needs of our hearts today. So, what is God showing us in the manger? When we look into the manger, I'm going to take each of these four titles and let's talk about what do those, what relevance do those have for us today, right here, December 2022, what difference does it make for us today? So here's the first title, Wonderful Counselor. I want you to see God's wisdom in the manger, first of all, that God offers through Jesus not only salvation, but he offers us his wisdom. It's beautiful that when we begin to think about that God has made himself the wisdom of heaven, the wisdom of God. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, it tells us that in Christ is all the fullness, all the fullness of the Father is in him. It's one of the most explicit verses about the deity of Jesus, that he wasn't just representing God, he is God. He is God in the flesh and that he came bringing the wisdom of God with him. And we have been given access to that wisdom. It's beautiful. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, in the Old Testament, and this is Solomon. We looked at Solomon last week a little bit. But for the Lord gives, let's say it together, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, what is it that we articulate with our mouths? We articulate words. What's beautiful is that we have been given this gift of God's word to be able to meet 
the areas of some of the greatest wisdom that we need in this life, God has already spoken to it. And he offers that to us. And that's one of the greatest gifts God's given us, that he works in and through his word as we allow him to. Now, I want to share with you one of my favorite promises from the New Testament that I have probably prayed as much or more than any other in all of the Bible. It's in James chapter 1, verse 5. And here's the half-brother of Jesus, by the way. And let me tell you just a real quick little commentary on James. James didn't become a, a Christian. He didn't become a follower of Jesus till after the resurrection. James was, uh, this is kind of a part of uh, church and Christian history um, that the tradition is understood that he waited. He was like, okay, you know, I mean, think about it. You got to cut James a little slack. What if your brother claimed to be the Messiah? Like, you might be a little suspicious, right? Until... He comes back from the dead, and you're like, okay, I, I'm going to believe now. Wow. James believed, and James became one of the most adamant, you know, stalwart followers of Jesus and became the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Powerful turnaround of his life. But he writes later in his ministry, he says, if any of you needs wisdom, and, and, and James is, I'm sure, speaking from experience here. If any of you needs wisdom, hello, I need wisdom. I bet you probably do too in some area of your life. You should ask God for it. Why? Because God's going to give it to you, right? He's generous to everyone and will give you, let's say the highlighted words together, he will give you wisdom, this is the best part, without criticizing you. Isn't that amazing? I think some of you, if, if you really believe that, if you really took that and said, okay, I'm going to start really believing that, that when you ask for wisdom, God's not up there going, why should I give it to you? Like, look at, look at all the boneheaded things you did. Like, you're not being very wise. You're not very trustworthy with wisdom. God doesn't do that. He offers his grace with his wisdom. It is unmerited, undeserved. You don't have to earn it to get it. What a gift. This is the way that God does wisdom. It's beautiful. And when he gives it, though, he does expect us to put it into practice. And I love that when we ask, we need to believe. This, this passage right here, I challenge you to go back and look at James chapter one, because the next couple of verses, he says, but when you ask, you should believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts when they ask for wisdom is like a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind, and that person should not expect they will receive anything from the Lord. He's saying, so there is, like, you don't have to do anything for it, but you, need, you do need to come with some confidence saying, God, you got the wisdom, I need the wisdom, I'm asking you for the wisdom, and I want to put it into practice in my life. And there's a recipe there that actually is a powerful activation of, of wisdom that is released from God to us to be able to begin to live it out. It's really powerful. So here's the prayer I want to give you with this wonderful counselor title. It's simply just saying, this Christmas, and this is you talking to God, I need wisdom for, what would you need wisdom for? Maybe it's a circumstance in your life right now that there's a big decision you need to make about a relationship. Maybe it's a financial one. Maybe it's the future. Maybe it has to do with your kids. Maybe it's, it, it is something looming out there. It's weighing heavy on you. If I were to ask you, if we were just one-on-one, -on -one, I said, what's bothering you? What's really eating at you right now? How would God's wisdom, if you knew what to do next, 
How might that help that situation? That'd be powerful, wouldn't it? God says, I'm making that available if you'll ask for it. And you'll be like serious about asking and serious about applying it, like really doing what God tells you. And maybe that's seeking godly wisdom from other counselors, godly people that he's, he may have put people in your life that have the wisdom you lack that could help you fill in the blank and be able to move forward with confidence. Or maybe it's someone who will point you back to God's word and to be able to say, here is the wisdom that you're looking for. It's right here in scripture. And it speaks exactly to what, you, what you're looking for. Maybe it's that. And, and just being open to what might God want to say about the current situation in your life. Here's the second title, Mighty God, all right? I want you to see God's power in the manger. I want you to see that he is a mighty God. Even in the immaculate conception, Mary conceiving through the Holy Spirit that Jesus could come to earth, that was an act of the power of God. In Luke chapter 1, verse 35, I love this. This is Gabriel talking to Mary, okay? I love so much that we have this conversation uh, captured for us. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, let's say it together, the power of the Most High will cover you. It is the power of God that is making this happen. There is no other explanation for it. It is power, the power of God. Now, going back to that title, mighty God, this, this word mighty from its Hebrew roots literally means strength in battle. It means to prevail over the toughest circumstances. This is what God makes available to us through himself. And it's not just what he does, it's who he is. It is what... And he is the source of all power. He is the source of all wisdom. So here's the question I want you to think about right now. What is the toughest battle you're facing right now? Maybe that battle is with somebody else. Maybe that battle is with your faith. Maybe that battle is, I'm not sure what to do with God right now. I, I, that battle is with a relationship a romantic relationship, I, I don't know what to do next, or I do know that what we're, the kind of relationship we have is not honoring God, and I probably need to make some changes, but let's be honest, you just haven't had the courage, you haven't had the power, the, the strength to do what you know you need to do. And maybe it is that you need to say, God, this toughest battle right now, I need you to help me. And that would be such a game changer. I love how uh, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church, he talks about this power of God that is available. It's not just available. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian today, this power is literally already, maybe unbeknownst to you, it's at work within you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I love this. Now to him who is able, he's talking about the Lord, he's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to what? According to his power. So it's his power, it's not our power, it's his power that's at work where? Within, within us. Isn't that incredible? That that power the same power that God demonstrated in resurrecting Jesus from the dead, the same power that it took for God to bring his son to earth, that same power that you know, separated 
um, the sea, you know, the Red Sea, the same power that demonstrated every miracle in Scripture and every manifestation of God throughout history, it is residing within you. That's kind of a mind grenade, isn't it? Like, that's in me? That's something I can access? That's what Scripture says. Now, the question that maybe we need to ask next is how often do we need to connect to it? Like, is it enough to just, hey, man, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be here on Sundays, right? <laughs> or as many as I can be. Is it, is it okay to just uh, connect on Sundays? Is that enough? Now, I'll answer that question with another question. How often do you have to recharge your cell phone? You have to do it almost daily, don't you? I do. Why? Because the cell phone can't keep a charge. I don't care how good it is. I don't care how the latest whatever it is. It has to be charged back up because it slowly will lose its charge. There is a sense in which, spiritually speaking, each one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian today, we all are losing our spiritual charge until we reconnect with the power source and get recharged. This is why you see Jesus even. And he was fully God, fully man, but he was connecting with his Father over and over and over and over and over, pulling away to a lonely place, a quiet place, a quiet time, to the desert place. He would over and over and over, you see him getting alone, talking to, sharing his heart, even at times sweating drops of blood. I mean, you talk about this was not just a polite little kind little, you know, uh, recited prayer. This was him speaking from his heart, the deepest place. This is the kind of connection God is calling us to make with him. And it needs to be regular. What is it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. It says, pray continually. That there ought to be this open line of communication throughout your day. I know you can't go through the day just like everybody you meet. Yeah, thank you, Lord, for this person. Thank you, God. Like, you're not going to be literally praying out loud the whole day, but there is a sense in which you could be talking to God, even within your heart, your mind. You're about to go into a meeting. Lord, help me. Give me wisdom for this meeting. Help me to love the unlovable <laughs> in this meeting. Help me to... Um, we, all, we all laugh because we know somebody like that, right? Lord, help me. Help me. I need your power. I need your strength going into this meeting. In Colossians 1.11, I love Paul's um, sentiment to us to be able to give us this great promise. And this is from the uh, New Century Version. I love this. It says, God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come. Because guess what? They're going to come. Anybody who tries to tell you, well, you're Christian now, so you don't really have trouble. You don't have problems. You're not going to have challenges. Man, they lie to you because the scripture is the opposite. Look at Jesus, our model. He faced all kinds of trials, didn't he? And he says that if I, being your Lord, they were unkind to me, if they persecuted me, <laughs> don't think that somehow you're off the hook, but I will be with you and my peace will be with you, my power will be available to you, my wisdom you can access. It's gonna be awesome. So here's the prayer that goes with this mighty God. Simply this saying, this Christmas, I need strength to, and you tell him, God, I need your power, I need your strength to do this. I, I need you to help me, please, Lord. What is it that you need from him? And I wanna encourage you to begin to pray that. 
and to be able to bring that to God and be honest with him, okay? Here's the third title that we're given, Everlasting Father. When we look in the manger, see God's love in the manger. This is an incredible and beautiful expression of of your heavenly Father's love for you and I. And this, this love comes in the most ironic ways sometimes. That even the way in which, as I said, coming in a feeding trough in a manger, it showed God's openness, his love, his humility to be accessible to all people. One of the more forgotten moments in the Christmas story that um, I want to spotlight right now that I think is really interesting that kind of talks about this love it's in a kind of an interesting way that when Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to consecrate him to the Lord, what was called the rite of purification within the Jewish culture, when they bring him to the, to the uh, temple, there were two provisions given in the Old Testament law, uh, the Levitical law, that you could, first of all, you could bring a lamb to be a sacrifice for your child when you come to consecrate them at the temple, or number two, you could, if you couldn't afford that, you could bring two turtle doves or a partridge in a pear tree. No, I'm just kidding about that last part. Two turtle doves or two pigeons, all right? You could bring either one of those. And that's what Mary and Joseph brought because they couldn't afford the lamb. They were poor people, okay? And here's the irony about that moment, the twist of divine irony in that moment is they bring in that baby Jesus to be consecrated to to do the rite of purification with these two pigeons, the poor offering, but they held in their arms the greatest offering, the most precious, expensive gift that God could have ever given for their purification and for mine and for yours in that moment. Isn't that incredible? I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, that, that about the poverty of Jesus and what that means for us today and how that expresses the love of God, how that changes our position spiritually. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where he says, though he was rich, talking about Jesus, though he was rich, yet, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Why was he born in a manger? So that regardless of what you were born into, regardless of what you came from, regardless of what your story is, you could be born again in him into the riches of the kingdom of heaven. That you could be a child of the most high God. You could have access to be a son or daughter of the God of the universe. Jesus did that for us. Why? Because he's an everlasting father. He loves his kids. And he, this is echoed over and over throughout the New Testament from the time of Jesus on. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, talking about Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own why? Because he loves you. He loves me. John 3:16, maybe the most famous verse in all of the Bible. I love this. For God, what did he do? God loved the world so much that what did he do? He, he gave, 
right? That was, his, that was how he expressed his love. It, it was in giving. This is why we, we just came out of the big give right here at Brazos Fellowship. This is just us practicing, exercising what our Father in heaven has given us through Jesus, what Jesus did on our behalf. It's us learning to live like, have a value system that reflects our Father, the kingdom that we belong to, not the earthly kingdom, but the heavenly kingdom. And it, it requires self-sacrifice to do that. That he loved the world so much that he gave, he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes, I love that. Not just the good people, the religious people, whoever, whoever, whoever believes. Whoever believes in him may not be lost, but have eternal life. That's right. Beautiful. And what, what about that fear that creeps in sometimes, thinking, well, Will, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know how wicked, how awful, how messed up I have been in my worst days. I made choices that, whoo, bad, right? The Apostle Paul can relate. He said, well, have you ever killed Christians for a living? Because that's what I used to do, right? You don't think you, you would have trouble walking into a Christian church after you killed a lot of the relatives of the people who attend there? That'd be a real issue, right? Now, here's what Paul was taught by God in Romans chapter 8, verse 39. I love this. Nothing, he says, nothing in all creation will ever be able to do what? To separate us from the, let's say it together, the the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I bet Paul would even say, trust me, I tried. <laughs> I tried. I ran from God for a long time. But he hunted me down. His love was always there. It was always accessible. If I were to turn, whoever believes, God's right there. It's beautiful. This Christmas... Here's your prayer. I need love for who? Maybe there's somebody that is hard to love in your life, and you need to love them. You need to love them the way God in Christ has loved you. You need to forgive them the same way that God in Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3, it talks about this. This is our standard for what love looks like and what forgiveness looks like. It's what Jesus did for us it's not like the most moral person you know. It's Jesus, the Son of God, now that we're followers of him. Maybe the answer to this prayer for you is you. In the sense that you can't seem to forgive or love yourself because of what you've done in the past. You keep beating yourself up with shame and guilt over garbage that happened to you way in the past. And you may even say, well, Pastor Will, I've prayed over and over, asked God to forgive me. I've asked Jesus, to, his blood would, would cover and forgive me, but I still, I just keep feeling guilty over it and over it. You need to understand something, that when God sees his son Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me, he says, that's enough. There is nothing more needed my grace is sufficient to cover your insufficiencies. And for us to have the arrogance to say, that is not enough for me. It may be enough for you, God, but it's not enough for me. God's saying, I'm the standard for righteousness. I'm the one who says what's right and what's wrong. For the whole moral universe, 
And it may be that in you saying that, you have bought into a lie. You have bought into something that is false and you're building your value of yourself upon it. But you need to realize that falsehood, lies, half-truths, Jesus told us in John chapter eight where those come from. He says that Satan is the father of lies, that the devil is the one from which all those deceptions come from. And what would he want more than anything else but then to divide you, try to separate you from the love of God? Even though it didn't actually happen, it will feel like it happened because you believe the lie. And maybe this Christmas you need to say, God, for the first time in my life, I'm going to believe. When you said I'm forgiven, I'm going to believe it. When you said I'm free from my past and that the righteousness of Jesus covers over my unrighteousness, I'm going to truly believe it. I'm going to let you be my everlasting father finally, once and for all, forever. That's what he came to be. And for many Christians, they fail to let him be who he is for them. And it's time for you, maybe, to, to receive that forgiveness and let all that junk just shed off your back. And you can be free. Let it go. The last of the four titles is the prince of peace. Being able to look in that manger and see God's peace in that manger, to see that this was a gift of God's peace. And if there's anything in our day today that we need more of, it is the peace of God. Worry and anxiety, stress just riddle our hearts these days. And even though there's no just like one silver bullet to fix all of this. There is a road, there's a path that we're given that will lead to greater freedom, more peace, and less anxiety. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was uh, October of 2019, I actually shared kind of the journey that my wife Leslie and I have been on with, with anxiety and kind of shared some biblical truth and some practical things that we have done. If you want to look that up on our website, it was called Sever Anxiety. And, uh, and I, I don't have time to unpack all that right now, but it was a, a really pivotal time for us to be able to learn. It took us years to kind of be able to start putting these things into practice. One of the pivotal verses I'm going to share with you right now is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is the Apostle Paul, once again, writing to the church in Philippi. People who were being persecuted, people who were going through all manner of stressful, difficult times. And he says, do not be, let's say it together, do not be anxious about anything. That's a, that's a big, tall order. Like, Paul, are you living in the real world? Are you serious? He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead, try this. Instead, let me give you the solution. Let me give you God's truth for your situation. Start to pray, petition, with thanksgiving, gratitude. Present your requests to God. And the peace, right, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, what is it going to do? It will Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now think about it for a minute. In a first century context, what needed to be guarded? It was usually fortified cities. Why were they guarded? Because there was an impending threat of an enemy attack on the city. 
So they put armed guards all the way around the city to keep eyes out, to make sure they're not being attacked. You and I have an enemy that wants definitely to attack, and he's showing us where is he going to attack? In our hearts and our minds. How we feel and how we process things. And for many people, let's be honest, we, what, we in, what we put into our minds constantly is not truth, it's not peace-giving, it's anxiety-inducing. We're getting the exact result of what we've been putting in. For most people, right before they go to bed, the last thing they're watching is something that is not peace-giving on a device, right? And the moment you wake up, right, we grab our devices and we're looking at social media and news and that's not peace-inducing. No wonder we're having to medicate this stuff. No wonder it's, it's eating us alive. And Paul's saying there is a way out. Not everybody's willing to choose it, but there is a way out. For Jesus to be your peace, you have to begin to yield your mind and heart to him and let his truth, his powerful, life-changing truth become your new baseline reality. It now defines for you what is true about the universe and not letting everybody else and their opinions define for you your reality, all right? Because that leads to further anxiety, stress, and pressure. And it's eating us up. Here's the prayer. I want to encourage you to pray this, this Christmas. It's simply saying, this Christmas, I need peace for. What do you need peace for? Who do you need peace for? Is there a circumstance? Some, sometimes, I know in my life, in my line of work, some of my anxiety is over people that I love that are going through horrible, difficult, painful awful stuff. I wish I could fix it. I can't fix it. I just have to walk with them through it. Maybe that's yours. God, give me a peace that you got this. And they may have to go through some hard stuff so that you can teach them, but I'm going to love them through it, and I'm going to help it when I can, but I'm not going to manipulate the situation. I'm going to let you do what you're doing here. So what is God offering to you that you need today? Is it wisdom power, love, or peace. That, those are his, not just his titles, but that's what he provides. He provides the deepest longing and need of our souls. Wisdom, power, love, and peace. If you would, I'd like you to say those with me right now. Wisdom, power, love, peace. This is what Jesus provides. It's who he is. He's the source, let's say it one more time, of wisdom, power, love, and peace. And here's our application prayer. It's simply saying, Jesus, this Christmas, I need your wisdom, power, love, and peace to help me, right? And where do you need him to help you? I surrender, like I'm giving it over to you right now. Is it a relationship, a situation, financial, work-related, home-related? What is it? This is the time to get honest with God right now. It's your surrendering it to him. If you would, let's go before the Lord right now in prayer. And maybe in this prayer time too, not only are you gonna dedicate to the Lord whatever it is that has been plaguing your mind and heart, but maybe for some of you today, it's like I'm gonna give my life, to, I wanna start the relationship with God that he offers through Jesus. I'm not gonna hold out any longer. I, wanna, I want his salvation, I want his forgiveness. Let's go before the Lord in prayer right now. Wherever you are, wherever you're watching on the line, you're in, in, in person here, would you just say, 
right now, Lord Jesus, thank you for offering me the wisdom, the power, the love, and the peace that I lack. And right now, right here, if there is wisdom, power, love, or peace that you lack, that you need from Jesus, would you just lift your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Anybody here? Like, I need this from God. God bless you guys. Hands going up all over. Father, I pray for every person who's saying yes. Yes, I need this, Lord. No more playing around. I need you, God. I need this Christmas be the Christmas that I, maybe for the first time, really begin to connect with your wisdom, your power, your love, your peace. May this be the turning point for me. Where do you need it? Ask for it right now. As children of the Most High God, you have access to his throne in the name of Jesus. It's not in your name. It's not in my name. It's in the name of Jesus. So you can ask in his name. And God will answer. He will come to your rescue. Ask him for it right now. You may lower your hands. God, I pray for every person in this room or those who are online that can hear my voice right now that maybe have a question mark about how and where they stand with you, where they are in in terms of salvation. Let's clear up that confusion right now. Would you just ask him into your heart? I want you to leave here today with confidently knowing that you are a child of the Most High God. We're told that whoever believes Would you be willing to give your belief, your trust, your confidence to him right now? Would you just pray this? Jesus, I place my confidence, my trust in the fact that when you died on the cross, that was a payment for my sin so that I could be forgiven. I receive that forgiveness right now. Would you tell him that? I receive your forgiveness right now. And I'm asking for you to be the Lord and leader of my life from this day forward. Be my forgiver and be my Lord. If you just prayed that for the very first time, would you just boldly, as an act of faith, raise your hand right now. I'd love to pray for you. Anybody here giving your life to Jesus? God bless you, sir. Right back here. Anybody else giving my life to Jesus today? Anybody else in all the room? God bless you, ma'am. I see you right over here against the wall. God bless you. Thank you. Lord God in heaven, thank you so much, Jesus for being exactly what we need at any moment. You are the all-sufficient one. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides exactly what we need. We look everywhere but you. Help us to begin to start with you, Lord. Help us to be people that reflect the God that we love, the kingdom that we belong to, the king of the kingdom. God, help us to be a bright light to a world around us that is so filled with hurt and confusion. They don't know where to look. They don't have wisdom. They don't have power. They don't have true, abiding, unconditional love. They don't have peace that surpasses human understanding. But only you have it, and you give us access to it. Help us to, to, to use it for your glory. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, 
Amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you back next Sunday as we continue Purpose of Christmas. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.